This week, I'm joined by Aliou Fafana, a business experience and technology transformation expert. Aliou delves into the transformative power of collaboration, mindset and vulnerability in leadership and for personal growth. He openly talks about his career path, which has led him through the world of entrepreneurship and back into a role that truly resonates with his passion and his long-term goals. This journey of his includes working for a top four accountancy firm, traveling to explore the business ecosystem across Africa, and then later rejoining that firm whilst developing his own coaching practice where he has senior leaders as his clients. In this episode, expect to learn how to navigate leadership challenges, including how to have difficult conversations, mindset shifts for personal growth, with an emphasis on self-awareness, self-love and mindset changes, why you should embrace vulnerability, now, vulnerability is often seen as a weakness, but Aliu showcases how it can be used as a tool for deeper connections and more meaningful conversations. So, without further ado, let's get to the show. So Aliu, when I was like researching you, on your description, you had this thing called collaboration designer. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? I live by African proverb which says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. But I've remixed it slightly. So now I say, if you want to be great, go alone. Because I see a lot of people who want to be great. Mm. But then if you want to be unstoppable, go together, which, which really connects even stronger with me. Because that, that sense of being unstoppable. Because alone you can be great, but yeah. you want to be unstoppable. That's a different feeling. Mm. That's a different viewpoint. Um, so when we talk about collaboration, all organizations, especially the mid-size or big ones, especially the global ones, for them to keep the, com- um, the competitive advantage, need to collaborate because mm. it's a global organization. How do, you, how do you operate? How do you make sure China's moving the way the US is moving? How, how do you create a global core which allows you to maximize your economies of scale? Collaboration is an easy word to use and put out there, but collaboration can be extremely hard. Yeah people issues, there's politics, there's emotion. And this is the rational challenge of how do we collaborate? How do we get this done? Certain projects will kick off, it will take years because of how the system is structured, how the organization is structured, who needs to make decisions. So as a collaboration designer, we use different methodologies from design thinking, systems thinking, in order to maximize how people collaborate. Because also in this world which we're living in, all organizations need to transform because unless you're a startup who's already got elements of new technology and new ways of working, legacy organizations need to move from one system to the next. Mm. Um, To do that, you need to bring in tech experts to understand these new systems. Um, You need to also have your business people in your organization understand the business and the value trying to drive to your customers. No one wants to use anything which is shit. So you also need to think about the experience element of for your customers or for your internal staff. All of the different experts that you need to bring in from your organization and externally to get that transformation moving, all think differently. Yeah. The tech person thinks from a tech lens. Um, how is this product needs to shape? How is it going to work, etc. And I'm not a tech person, so I can't speak all the tech language. The business person is going to see it from their perspective, so the experienced person. When you put them in a room, collaborate. It's like putting people in a room and saying dance and everyone's <laughs> having different dance moves. What kind of music initially do they need to start with? What's the one-two step where they get to understand each other? Then how do they then have a configuration of, wow, that was a performance which yeah. brought everything together. So a collaboration designer 
within that aspect of my role, we're thinking about how we design different activities, interventions, how we get people to relate to each other in order to move past the rational, emotional um, and political challenges to get shit done. Interesting, interesting. So when you say getting people to relate to each other, what exactly does that mean then? It can mean different things. Um, so let me give you an example of an actual, say, a session, right? Um, so we brought together 30 leaders from across an organisation who over the years had multiple organisations who they had bought up. Mm-hmm. Um, so their back office was like a spaghetti web um, of different things. Um, the environment because of that was quite toxic and was quite territorial and quite siloed. Yeah. So to get anything done was extremely painful. Mm. Um, and some people in the organization had particular roles which they wanted to keep because they were used to it and it served the purpose for them. But yeah. the organization didn't necessarily need them in that role anymore, but it was difficult to kind of move them out or shake them. Now, yes, as an organization, but not everyone in the organization know each other to that degree. They mm. might have heard of each other or might have interacted with each other. But sometimes in order to move past the problem, I need to look at you and say, I can relate to you to a certain degree. Mm. And now now I know you a bit, I feel like we can actually get something done versus it being a transaction. Yeah. It's a relationship where we're, we're, we both see that we have a common purpose and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So within like that session, um, there's a few different things that we that we did to to drive that. Um, one of the things that we done instead of getting people to just relate to each other, we got them to disassociate themselves from the environment. Okay. Um, so we 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 got them to recreate their version in teams of their organization for a game, mm. and they can make up the game or they can use a game like snakes and ladders to make it up. Through that, they have characters, they have how do you win this game. And through that, they they were able to talk about characters, bad behaviors, good behaviors, and how you actually win the game and the issues without them having to attack each other. But it was a different way for them to relate to each other. But again, there's several different things that, from a collaboration designer point of view, we would think about in terms of how do they relate around the problem? How do they understand the parameters of what's been going on? Um, And also how sometimes it's good for them to get to know each other personally as well. Mm. Um, but it, also, it always depends on what's the challenge, what's the outcome we're trying to get to, and then yeah. we'll design, we'll think about the end in mind and we'll design backwards in terms of, okay, what's the, what's the journey to get there? Yeah, I like that because it's making sure that you look at it from a people-first perspective, not just, the, obviously the organisation has its own goals, but at the end of the day, it's down to the people to deliver it, right? And so for you, and thinking this way in a more collaborative manner, has that always been the case for you or has it been more of an evolution, would you say? Oh, no, it definitely hasn't been <laughs> the case for me. And, um, you know, I've, I've grown up in an environment where it's dog-eat-dog. Yeah. Um, you need to be able to have your own back. You need to be able to do your thing. But at the same time, I've grown up in an environment where you need your people around you to have your back. So to a certain degree, yes and no. Um, but over the years, it's definitely been a, an evolution, especially how I see the world to be. And where I I constantly see the need for collaboration to get anything done. Mm. We're so interwoven as a society. Um, Things which happen in in one part of the world affect another part because of the supply chain and how everything kind of comes together. So right now, there's a greater need for collaboration than ever before from my point of view. Um, And the more I realize that, the more I get spurred on to say, I need to be the best I can be at driving collaboration.
Mm. One of my random um, visions I had uh, like probably back in 2014, 15, was um, I'm going to be a, a world-renowned coach who coaches some of the top like, presidents and CEOs, but specifically around Africa. Yeah. And also other parts of the world, but specifically around Africa. Um, and this is, I, I did like a whole trip across different countries in Africa and got inspired by what I was seeing in different countries. And I thought to myself, I want to be the coach for others, not because I want to be world-renowned, um, more because I'm going to build a relationship with these guys mm. and then they're going to be telling me different problems. I'm going to start to understand the different problems all of them have in common. I'm going to call them up and say, yo, listen, we're going to have this meeting on this day, bringing you guys. I'm going to get you to think differently. Da, da, da. You, all of you are going to align on the problem and we're going to get shit done because mm. all of you have the, the power and the resources to do it, but you're just not connected. Mm. If I can be that glue, the person who they trust, but also the person who understands how to coordinate amazing leaders, yeah. that's where I would love to be. That was one of the, the, the visions I had in my head back in 2015. Where did that vision come from, do you think? It came from um, when I did my like, go-getters trip. Um, so this was 2013, went to six different countries um, across Africa, South Africa, Kenya, Rwanda, Ghana, Nigeria, Sierra Leone. In each country, me and my team were doing different activities from running events, shooting documentaries, meeting investors, policy makers, and that's really understanding this thing we're calling Africa Rising. And this whole concept that we were playing around with called the African dream, you know, you have the American dream. Um, given even the infrastructure across Africa is so poor and some, even the transport infrastructure in terms of to get from one country to the other country is really hard. Yeah. Um, and to fly around is really difficult. Uh, not difficult, but it's costly. Yeah. Um, um, you know, to fly around Europe is really easy. So if you, if you can move people around, you can, you can, you can, you can kind of um, have a bigger economy um, in terms of resources, which then obviously you can harness and then it can continue to grow, as you've seen from um, other kind of nations which have done it back in the day. Um, so seeing the opportunities, um, but and also seeing the challenges, I'm just like, this is interesting. I feel like in this world, if I've only got one life to live, mm. I want to do something which excites me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do something I look back and thought, man, you lived, like you... You tried a thing like you, you wasn't playing around. Yeah. Um, so that has got me excited. And then when I get excited, then my head starts going. And <laughs> I thought, well, you know, given everything you've seen, what can you do? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not a president. I'm not a top CEO. But I love listening to people. And I know I've got a God-given gift to give energy to people. Um, one of my friends said it beautifully to me where she said, you don't need to compliment me. You don't need to encourage me. After conversation with you, I feel like I can just go and finish. <laughs> like I'm just on top. Yeah. And I was just like, that's such a gift because I've never heard anyone articulate that in that way to me. So I know I, I, I bring energy and I can give energy to others. And regardless of how senior you are, what you've done in your career, what you're trying to do, you need people around you who will energize you. Yeah. You need people around you who can ask you great questions, bring out the best in you. You need people around you who get you to tell yourself the best stories and also um, 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 how I can bring stories to the table. Um, but also I needed additional skills in terms of, yeah, I can bring that to them, but then how do I connect them to other people? Mm. Well, I'm also a good connector and I'm a good networker. I, I love it. In an environment, when I go to somewhere, I pretend in my head is my party. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'll go to a networking event 
and I'll move like I'm the person organizing the event. <laughs> I'll be saying hello to somebody, blah, blah, blah. Hey, listen, let's go and talk to those guys. Do you know them? Nah, nah, but let's go and talk to them anyway. So yeah. I'll talk. And I'm like, hey, listen, I'm just going to connect. I'll be moving like I know people when I don't know people. But it's just how I am and it's where my energy lies. Mm. So also understanding myself and my strengths, but also other things which I was interested in, especially around like collaboration design, what does that look like? Which is not necessarily my strength, but it's an area which I've been building up technical abilities in. Um, all of those experiences and that experience which I had with the Go Getters team saying, what if this is where Africa could be in 30 years? How would we get there? And in my head, you know, you can do bottom up, yeah. um, you can do top down. Um, I can definitely interact with the people at the, you know, at the grassroots level, but I was also really interested in the people who have the power. How do I interact with them? What does that look like? And that visualization is what created that vision. I see, I see. That's such a powerful thing and such a powerful vision, especially for someone, because you would have been in your 20s, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's such a big vision to say, you know what, I'm going to make a change, especially back home in Africa. Like For me, I've always said that I want to make a change, but it's a question of how to make a change and it's easy to kind of overthink it rather than just getting your hands dirty and getting on with it. Um, and back to your go-getters piece, right? So you mentioned energy and how you like to be around people collaborating and when I think about your background because you're a chartered accountant yeah and you worked at PwC and you worked extremely hard to get into that company smashed it top one percent at Aston all the rest of it how was it basically saying forget about that route I'm going to try something new um because you, did you feel that your energy just wasn't in the right place when you were first working at your grad job at PwC? Okay, good question in terms of energy and, and the journey into that. And working hard to even get the chartered accountancy yeah. and then moving left to right. The yeah, because it's like, if sometimes people think about the, the debt, like I've worked so hard to get to this space, I'm going to stick on it. But you was like, no, I'm going to, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's really interesting in terms of the sunk cost. Because once yeah. it's there, it's like, mm. mm-hmm. If I move on now, am I, like, what, what am I doing? How am I moving forward? I guess in my head, even before getting any job, I just wanted to work for a great organization um, which had at least elements of global opportunities or global view. And if they didn't, cool, I can still do this, maybe a, a particular market um, to just see how the best operate. Yeah. And it didn't matter who. I just wanted to see how the best operate and ask myself the question. If they operate like that, could I survive here? Could I thrive here? And could I be one of the best here? Um, so it, it didn't matter. Um, I got into PwC and then you know, went through my um, accountancy. That's because that was the route which you needed to do. And then my other plan was, well, if I get the ACA, it nearly, instead of it being a sunk cost, mm. I saw it as it gives me license to go and do anything I want to do. And if it doesn't work, I can go full back. That's true. <laughs> So it's like, it also depends on your perspective and how mm. you see that. Mm. I didn't see it as, um, because I've got this now, I, I need to follow the career trajectory. I saw it as, I've got an amazing foundation. I can go and do some rock star stuff, whatever, for the next five years, adventure, whatever. And then I can just come back. And if I don't get into a PwC because they're like, oh, what have you done for five years? I'm sure one of the mid-tier firms will take me. Yeah. Or somebody's going to take me. No, no, they're not, not going to take me. I can do it. I've shown them. So I just saw it as a license to go be free and do me versus um, a restriction. I see, I see. So then it was already in your plan that you're going to leave at some point to travel the world, do the go-getters thing. Yeah, so it, it, 
it was in my peripheral in terms of my mind, mm-hmm. um, but it only became action through inspiration through one of my friends okay. um, who I actually spoke to last night. So he was deeply wanted to explore entrepreneurship. Um, so he was going to like start weekends and stuff. So he told me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to come with you. So I'll go with him. Then he wanted to go and explore um, Chile because he heard about how the Chilean government were giving expats 50K if they started a business with a local. So oh, they thought right. the locals needed, and I can't remember the exact wording, so forgive me if this is not correct, um, but the, 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 they believed the, the, the locals would benefit from somebody from outside starting a business with them because they have more of a bigger world view mm-hmm. and then marrying that with the local knowledge to really start something which can support you know, Chile or support creating jobs. Mm-hmm. So then me and him planned a three and a half week trip from Uruguay, Argentina and Chile to then for him to go and check out that environment. So then he took a six month career break from PwC. And I, and I, was, I remember I was reflecting to think, actually, I, I never really wanted to stay after I qualified anyway. Um, I've been inspired. I love what I'm seeing with Mickey. I'm loving the energy. I'm taking a career break. And then that's when my plan started to really take forward and start to move forward. So it was in the back of my mind, but I, hadn't, I didn't have like this outline plan to say, this is what I'm gonna do. Mm. It was through the energy I felt, the experience which I had, mm-hmm. seeing it, feeling it, and then that caused the action. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. I like that. Just do that. Just go for it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so when you, so where, what country did you start off with in Africa? When you South Africa. To, South Africa. What was that first day like, that first night? Uh, it was so random. I remember, <laughs> first of all, I nearly missed my flight. That was, that was, that was terrible. Um, I remember finally got to South Africa, mess with my parents, say, hey, I've landed. Yeah. Like, oh, thank God, thank God. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, 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 it's all good. I've got some friends there as well, because they always panic, you know, never been of South course, Africa. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. been any of these countries, right? Yeah. Um, so I remember landed, and then I, I messaged one of my, my homies, Cupano, um, from, from Aston, actually, Aston Uni. Said I've landed, and, you know, I was going to meet up the next day. So that was all good. So that, that first day was just kind of, so everyone was like, oh, I'm going to be out six months or seven months away from London. I'm going to these different countries. I had a plan. I, mm. I had a team, but not, none of my team members were with me in South Africa. People joined me in different parts of the journey. So South Africa, I was by myself. Um, Where'd so, you get your team from? Where did they come from? So basically, um, when I had the idea to say I wanted to go across to um, these different countries in Africa and understand what it was like in terms of the tech ecosystem, the entrepreneurship ecosystem and startup ecosystem, what it was like if I could survive and thrive in these areas mm-hmm. or in these countries. Um, when I pitched it to my parents, they were kind of worried at first. So I was like, oh, I knew you was going to be worried, but I wonder why you're worried. Yeah. So they were talking about, you know, going off to these places alone. It could be dangerous. You know, yeah, you've traveled, but this is six months. You're not saying you're going to one place. You're like going here and there. Like, mm-hmm. who do you know there? So they asked me all these questions. I'm, I'm taking it in, I'm taking it in. I was like, you know, thank you. Well, I said, well, I'm going to build a team. Um, thank you, actually, because I think your worries have helped me to think about what I need to do next. Yeah. Um, and then my dad's like, okay, cool. I support you 110%. I'm like, okay, cool. So literally, I left their room and went into my room. I went through my whole phone book and I had three questions which I thought about. Um, who's somebody who's entrepreneurial? Who's somebody who's passionate about Africa? And who's somebody that's reliable? <laughs> just reliable. <laughs> if I call you, get me, you call me back. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just one of those three things, even better, if you're all of those three things, you're mm. getting a call. Mm. So I literally went from A to Z. I think I called, I don't know, 50 people. Wow. And then some people are still calling me back because obviously they missed the phone call. I just gave them the same pitch over and over again. 
Um, but this is this is how it is in terms of my energy again. So what was interesting was um, I still remember Abigail calling me back like three hours later. I was like, "Hello, how are you? Yeah, I don't know what you did to me." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I'm meant to be doing my dissertation for my masters. Why am I doing research on Kenya, Nigeria? Like, I'm excited. Please send me that document which you said you're going to send. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Because they kept asking for more information. So I yeah. told them I'm, um, I'm pulling together a document. I'll send it to them. I wasn't pulling together anything. Just <laughs> because they kept asking me questions. <laughs> during those it. calls, I figured out, okay, I better pull something together to yeah. articulate what I've told them over the phone. Because right now, it was just me getting excited and I was telling this. And I said, look, the question I have for you is, why do you want to be involved? Because I've got a why. If you haven't got a why, then there's no point you being on it. If your why is to support me, blessings. But if you haven't got a why, I doubt your, you wanting to support me would take you on the journey. Wow. But if that's strong enough for you, cool. So it's like, uh, uh, like I was just putting it onto them and the same. That's a powerful this. pitch, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> because I like um, sorry to interrupt, but it's like you're basically not not necessarily taking the response. You're taking the responsibility back onto them to say if this flops, you got to make sure you have your own reasons to stay. Like don't just wait on me, kind of vibe. I like that. Yeah. Listen, like Toller quit his job to come on the trip. He yeah. gave him two countries with me. Um, one of my other co-founders, Majib, he couldn't come to Ghana, um, because he just got a new job, mm. um, and um, and he was like, "Listen, guys," he like called us, explained like sounded so sad over the phone. I'm like, "Bro, you got a new job? Like, it's cool." He's like, "No, like, like I was part of this. Obviously, you've done the prep work. I'm meant to be coming to Ghana. I've been watching what you guys have been doing in Kenya, like um, Rwanda, and now I was meant to be here now, and I can't." He's like, "Listen, guys." Obviously, I've already got my flight money, which I didn't um, um, buy my flight. That's yours. Take it. So he oh, sent it to dope. us. We're like, we actually needed that cash to help to to run the event, which we were organizing in Ghana. So it's like, people felt it was theirs as well. And that's why um, with everyone who joined, I made them my co-founders mm -hmm. on, on it. Because I'm like, it's not only my why, it's all of our why. That's why we're in it together. Yeah, yeah. How was that? Did you feel sense of responsibility when people were feeling lost because you're in another country? Like, did conflicts come up and you kind of felt the onus on yourself to make sure you, you solved it? Like, did you feel stress or how did you kind of work through that? Um, ask the question again, because I don't think conflict really came up. I can explain something. So it's not, so more like, um, I'm just thinking about, in my mind, if I'm calling my friends to go on a mission to like Africa, where we're going to all these different countries where there's a plan, but it's still a little bit vague. And sometimes people who are following, or not say following, but are collaborating on a journey, they may have a different vision of what things might look like. And so that might rise, that might give rise to arguments or conflict or people just feeling a bit less motivated and wanting to go back home. So I'm wondering, during that period, did some of those things come up and even for you yourself, did you feel like overwhelming responsibility to make sure that things went well in a certain way? Okay, um, good question. So no conflicts came up and I'm not sure if it's because of how it was structured in terms of people choose their own journey. Mm -hmm. So you wasn't obliged to come with me to all six countries. You need to choose where you wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. And also as part of it, you just need, only need to understand your why. I need to understand what else do you want to get from this trip? Um, one of my guys, he was a drinks entrepreneur and he wanted to see if he could manufacture his products in Nigeria and Ghana. So he came to Nigeria and Ghana and as part of what um, I wanted to achieve 
we contract say this is what you want to achieve so as part of our daily routine we'll be also going to some of these drink companies nice. he'll be um leading the meetings with some of their ceos to say how can we partner up etc so it's really clear he wants to get that out and as part of what we were trying to achieve say in ghana when we we're doing our event we also shot a documentary we, and we appeared on some like tv shows and stuff it was mm -hmm. like um those things will not only help benefit me go-getters will help benefit him as part of go-getters and what he's trying to do as well so it's like we we were all in it for our own personal reasons but all in it on a common reason as well mm -hmm. so i guess i didn't feel loads of pressure um in terms of if this doesn't work it was just more around how are we making this work yeah. so it, it wasn't like oh this is not gonna work it's like cool we need a venue how do we get the venue? It, yeah. it was nearly like, oh, this was, I, I didn't like, it's, it's interesting the question because it didn't come into my head that this is not going to work. It's just more how, like this every day, how are we going to make it work? How are yeah. we going to make it work? So there, w there was nearly no room for, or my mind didn't sip into the negative thoughts. Yeah, too, like, um, I was just too much on go. More, mm -hmm. But when I'm not too much on go, those thoughts will cloud my head for mm -hmm. ages and ages. But when I'm crystal clear on what I think the vision is and I've got a deep sense of why and my energy builds up, I'm a I, I hit a different point of my being. Yeah. Um which is just more yeah, like uh, until it flops, no idea of floppage is coming to my head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like li literally I, I remember in, in um in Ghana we're meant to have access to the venue and we didn't and the person took the keys and we're like we've got the tv channels coming because we we managed because we're going to have one of the policy um, politicians come um Fifi Kwete he was going to announce a new Ghana fund at the event mm -hmm. so that means we had Ghana national tv come in we had our own documentary team come in we had Fifi we had like three investors we had 100 people so we want to have access to the venue the day before yeah to just set up we couldn't have access so I remember me, Tolo, and and um, and um, John just standing with one light bulb <laughs> up on the top, mosquito biting me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, bro, guys, what are we meant to do, man? Like, yeah. we just need to do what we can do. So we called the guy, negotiated to see if we can get him a taxi in the morning. Like, guys, we're just gonna have to do what we need to do tomorrow. Yeah. We need to wake up. We're gonna do some push-ups when we get home. 100 push-ups every day because we used to just be on that. So it was just like I don't know. It was just like a That's nice, just yeah. need to. You know when you're in focus mode, it's like mm -hmm. we're in it together. And if it flops, it's gonna be embarrassing. But man, that's it. We just learn from it. We try and move on. Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. So, what did you learn about yourself throughout that whole journey? Um, uh, I learned several things. I guess um, one, I learned how to be a, a leader um, in my own way, mm -hmm. um, and I also saw the things which I found difficult about leadership. Explain. Um, so, on were, both, like, what's your own way, and what are the Difficult pieces, yeah. Yeah, so f I guess for me, I, I I lead by inspiration, by action, also by listening and making sure everyone's clear on where we're trying to get to, but they're also clear and I understand where they're trying to get to. Um, and there needs to be a connection there. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I, might have, I might think you're on this because of this and that's just not where we're at. And I always need to make sure you're connected to where we're trying to get to, but also make sure you feel that you're going to get to where you need to get to. Mm. And if at any point I start thinking it's not, we'll have a conversation. I'll be like, I'm not sure if it's still working, 
But you let me know if you still want to be on this journey yeah. um, because we need to just balance that out. And I think that level keeps people motivated. It keeps them feeling that you've got their back as well as them having the, the back of the mission which we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, the things which I found difficult was just having difficult conversations. Yeah. I remember um, one of the guys, he wasn't, he wasn't a co-founder. He joined us um, in, in one of the countries um, as kind of one of the people who are going to support us to get things done. He just wasn't pulling his weight. He wasn't doing what needed to be done. He was kind of around with us, but a certain degree, he wasn't really bringing loads of value. So there was questions from like some of my co-founders, like, hey, I think he talked to this dude, like, and just say, da, 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 da. Um, but it was like, I was like, well, do I really need to? Maybe I don't. I'm only in, in this country for like a month and we're going to do this. So I, I, did, I didn't really have that conversation. I kind of avoided having the, the, the tough. negative, mm. tough conversation because I could get away with it. Um, it, it wasn't having such a negative impact, but it was having an impact because I felt it and other people felt it. Yeah. Um, now I'm, I'm much better equipped to have those conversations, set the tone up front. And now I see actually as a disservice to somebody for me not having that conversation. I, I'm actually, I see it as me protecting myself more mm. than me trying to protect the person. Yeah. Whereas back in those days, I would have saw it as, oh, like, you know, they're still going to get experience. They're still going to do this. But I could have still had that conversation and they could have still got what they needed or not. Mm. Um, but just, just laying that down. So, yeah, those days I, I definitely saw that I lacked the, the, the backbone to have some of the conversation which you just need to have. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that was then? Um, I think I genuinely love it when I have a, a friendship with others. Yeah. Um, so I want to be respected, but I also want to be liked. Yeah. And I like other people to feel like they're respected and liked. And I feel like having certain conversations might cause them to not feel liked and might cause me to not feel liked. Yeah. Um, um, so then it, it kind of grated against that value of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I've re-looked at it in a different way, now I'm able to address it because the way I looked at it was causing me to find it really difficult to address and have those conversations. Yeah, that's, that's such an interesting point. Um, I agree with it as well in a sense that like, where do you strike the balance between leadership, friendship, being liked, especially when it's your friends, right? Because you don't want to tarnish your friendship at the mm-hmm. end of the day, especially if you feel like this is such a small thing and you keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And I do wonder, like, can can leaders be liked? Like, can you be a strong leader and be liked universally? The answer is probably no, right? Like, you're, people are always going to hate you at some point. Yeah, and I think um, the more I accept myself, the more it's less about being liked. It's actually me liking myself (laughs) than anything else because people don't have to like you. Um, Everyone listens to me like, yeah, that's a fact. (laughs) Um, But for people like me, like I I enjoy um, the the feeling of I've got someone's back, they've got my back. Um, it, it brings me a sense of peace. It brings me a sense of community and togetherness, which is important values for me. Um, but the more I accept me, the less I'm about other people needing to accept me because I fully accept myself. Yeah. And more other people fully embracing who I can be or who I am and who I'm transcending to be. And me also cherishing who they are without needing to necessarily feel that we need to have a deeper sense of anything else. And with some people that will be there, the spark, the connection, it's amazing. Other people, yeah, that's not my energy. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, and the more I've interacted with different leaders, different juniors, the more I just see some people I click with, some people I don't. Um, some people we really get each other, some people we really don't. Some people we might even like each other, but we can't work together because we're too similar. <laughs> and we just have to have an honest conversation. You do exactly everything I do. We can't work together, sorry, because we're going to mess up yeah. because we're, I'm not going to look at that properly and neither are you. That's not cool. Yeah, yeah. You have a very strong sense of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that throughout. Like, it's a very reflective, it's very, like, present. Has you, have you always been like that? No, it's definitely grown. And it's, it's growing now even more and more. Yeah, what's helped you on that journey? Um, several different things. So from um, therapy, which has been amazing. My therapist is just... I, I remember at one point, and I was speaking to her, and I must have been saying, um, I no longer feel like um, I need to, like I need to have this promotion, or I need to be in this relationship, or I need this. I feel like I feel like I'm good. She's like, Oh, you, you know what that sounds like? I'm like, What? It's like it sounds like self-love. I'm like, Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> Say that again. She's like, It sounds like self-love. It sounds like you feel like you're enough. I'm like, Ooh. That is so powerful. Mm. Um, so through going that, doing deeper work myself, um, going on different like, retreats, having conversations with people, um, and also being more open and vulnerable mm. about um, the, 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 the way I see things about myself, about others, or about certain situations, and being, being more vulnerable in terms of some of the things which I'm not great at, um, some of the things which I'm not not sure about, all of those things, and and being in, being purposeful around being in environments which nurture that, has helped me to have more acceptance, yeah. more awareness, which is then just doubling and trickling and doubling and trickling, and the more I do that, the more I start to see I'm now attracting people who I I should be attracted mm-hmm. from work to relationships. It, it, it's nearly like when you when you when you buy a car and you start seeing it everywhere. Yeah. Um, um, and obviously, people know about the law of attraction, etc. But for me, it's not even like just the law of attraction. It's nearly like if you can't accept who you are and your true voice, it's difficult for that inner energy to really beacon out to connect in the way it needs to to truly bring in what it needs to bring in. Yeah, that's beautiful. There's so many elements of that point, yeah, that you raised. Um, that I want to pick. Easy now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you also work with quite senior CEOs, um, senior leaders within your organization, other organizations, mm-hmm. even talking, you spoke about working with presidents and when you're in particular levels of authority, you have to have your shield up. You can't be too vulnerable with your team. Um, even in relationships or just being a man or whatever it may be, like being vulnerable can be quite hard because it can impact the way that you're viewed by other people. Mm-hmm. So how do you then like open the gates in terms of like stepping out into being a bit more vulnerable without fear of being judged or fear of feeling shame? Yeah, it's it's extremely hard. Um, and it's, it's a journey and I'm still going through that journey. I remember... I don't know, like five years ago, I've got um, in my room, um, like my principles. And I think like the seventh one or something is, um, um, 
I don't know, like vulnerability is your greatest strength. And I can't remember where I got that from or why I wrote that. And sometimes I look at it and think, what bullshit is that about vulnerability is your greatest strength? Shut up. <laughs> oh, man, what? Vulnerability is your greatest strength. Don't, 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 don't say that. Don't, don't talk like that. Um, but over the years, the more I've got to know myself and the more I unlock the power through vulnerability, the mm-hmm. more I'm starting to see how much of a strength it is. Um, with certain relationships, um, if you can be, even like, let's just say, um, in a relationship with your girl, if you can truly be vulnerable with her, um, sometimes you feel that there's going to be judgment, there's going to be shame, you should be a man, you should be this, you should be that, there's all these things. Um, but if they can hold you in that vulnerability in terms of the things you're not sure about or anything else or the things you might feel a bit ashamed about, it gives you so much power and strength with the relationship and also outside the relationship to be you and know that you always be accepted mm-hmm. for who you are. Um, and the more I, I see that, even at work, where before I start any project, I have a sit down with who I'm working with, at least 30 minutes. Yeah, let's, let's just have a quick chat. Um, I'm gonna tell you the things which I love. I'm gonna tell you the thing which I'm a rock star and I kill every single time. Give it to me. What Michael Jordan did even know? I'm, I'm finishing it. Um, I'm gonna tell you the thing which I'm really not great at, um, the things which I struggle with. And some of the things which I've over the years have had to be good at because I've let the ball drop too many times and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tired of it, but it drains my energy. Yeah. So I don't really wanna do it. So I'll probably avoid it. And also the, some of the things which about me, you probably need to know because if I'm in a particular state of mind, you might need to keep me in check. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, and just let me know what you're open to tell me. Those conversations are always amazing because by the time I finish and people are, wow. And obviously you don't, you don't do certain, you, you share appropriately. So you're not gonna share like um, some traumatic moment which um, happened in your childhood um, because of X, Y, Z reasons. That's just oversharing. Yeah. And you're putting your burdens on somebody else. Um, but there is a level of smart vulnerability. And I don't want to use the word smart because then it feels like calculated. But it's appropriate vulnerability depending on the situation, depending on who the person is, and depending on what you're working with them on. Mm. From relationships, which should be a different level of vulnerability, to work. Um, and when I've had those conversations and I've seen me opening up has helped them to open up and then has helped us to really see each other. Like, I see you, mm. I see you. And even in certain situations, something will happen. And I try to do quick feedback these days. So I'd be like, hey, let's just have a quick feedback. I saw did it happen. I remember you told me this is one of the things you might n- not be that strong at. I saw, was that true? Is that not? It all of a sudden changes the conversation. And then it always feels like we are in it together yeah. and we've got each other's back versus why aren't you doing that? I thought this was covered. Mm-hmm. We'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm feeling some type of way about this. Or it just opens up at, to a human level versus just a professional, I need to get this done. So you need to get it done. It's like, I'm going through some stuff or yeah. I'm finding this really difficult or this thing really confused me. It opens up to people to ask better questions feel open to say certain things and have certain conversations in a way which people can feel held and feel protected, which then makes them stronger. Mm. Do you find most people receptive to have that type of conversation? Some people, not everyone. Yeah. Um, so some people don't, don't like that. Um, and, and it's not that they don't like that. Some people, they, they don't know you yet to have that. Yeah. Um, other people, it depends on what it is. Yeah. There's certain things which is just off topic for them because of different experiences or how they see the world so it's also just through time testing and seeing 
the context, the types of people where certain levels of vulnerability work or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so some quick examples. So one quick example is, you know, it was on a call. There was at least two people who I didn't know. So I asked them, let's do introductions, but we're going to change it up. Um, I want you to introduce yourself from the lens of one of your loved ones, um, just so that we can get to know you differently. By the end of the call, nearly all of us are crying. I'm not at the end of the call, sorry, in the first 10 minutes. I'm like, how the hell are we crying? Like, this is, it was just wild. Um, but the reason why is because um, from the first person to the second person, then the third person who, who took that and started talking about um, from the lens of her brother and how... Um, she looks up to him and she didn't ever recognize how much he looked up to her. Um, and thus that feeling of how she, she, he looks at her. Yeah. Cause she did, and then she started describing other elements of how she grew up and his connection with her and how he, he's always had her back, etc. Caused her to start to kind of tear up because she wasn't expecting to say the things she, which she said, which then connected with the next person's story, which they're talking about one of their loved ones. So then it just became this kind of um, powerful sharing and everyone being seen through different lenses. Because then we discovered some of her strengths, Mm. some of the things that she didn't believe in herself about, and then how she now sees it and how... So just within that introduction, um, we got so much wealth of information, which then you feel heartfelt. So by by the time everyone, a few tears and and we go back into it, you just felt like... These are my peoples, man. I love that. And it's different um, for different things. Sometimes you can get that connection through laughter. If, if we can bust one, two joke within the ten, first 10 minutes of a call, listen, I already feel like we're homies. Like <laughs> We can definitely work together because we laughed, we've bantered. But also if we can share something heartfelt, I already feel like we're homies. So again, it's like, how do we connect as people to do great work? Yeah, yeah. I, I love that because especially that viewing point from a loved person. And you know when, we, when you do the whole uh, introduce yourself and you do it from your voice, your own self. And I think our British culture is very self-deprecating. So we never put ourselves in the best light, but by putting our, ourselves in our loved one's shoes, yeah, that's quite powerful. That's quite powerful. Um, you mentioned there's some stuff on your wall. So mm. you've got your list of principles. What else is on your wall? Um, so I've got different, different kind of quotes. Before I used to have, when I walked into my room, this mural, which is like, life is beautiful. Yeah. Because every day, regardless of the kind of day I had, good or bad, enter my room, Turn on my light. Life is beautiful. It's just a reminder. Constant. Um, I changed it now to the serenity prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never remember it fully, which is really annoying. Whereas like, um, God give me the, the, I think like the wisdom. No, God give me the courage to make the changes which I can change. Um, you know, and, and know the things I can't change and wisdom to know the difference. Yep. And the reason why I changed it to that is... Uh, I think it was like a year or two years ago, I just had the reflection and a feeling that life is beautiful is good and I've got that in me, but I need to change it now. And it needs to be changed around what I can change and what I can't change. Mm. And that's the wisdom to know the difference brings you peace. Yeah. Because then I can always focus on what's in my power, what's not in my power, and how do I just let that go? Let go and let God, because I literally can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And how the wi- if I have that wisdom, oh, life is so much sweeter. Because mm. I know I can wake up in the morning, I can go gym, but I can't force that person to give me a promotion and I can't force um, that person to um, sign this deal. Um, and I can't change the fact that that person's not feeling that great right now. All I can do is give them a call. Yeah. All I can do is this. So again, that's just a reminder of stay within what's in your power. Mm. Um, and that will bring you a sense of peace and everything else 
if you're if you you come from a religious background you pray or if you don't you might meditate or you might do whatever you need to do to release those things you can't control um the other thing i have on my wall is um muhammad ali and next to him it's um if not now then when and i remember me and one of my homies was walking across um millennium bridge and tate modern had that quote if not now then when and I remember that night, me and Heather's got gassed. We were talking about it. We're like, well, if not now, then when? What are you saying? What, what's next? What? You want that promotion? If not now, then when? Like, yeah. we just kept saying it, using it, and it became this little catchphrase. So then I had another quote on, on that side of my wall, but I, I took it down and i done some research and I, and I found that one and I, I printed it out and got it put on my wall. So again, when I'm, even when I'm at work, what people see is Muhammad mm. and um, that one, if not now, then when. But you can't see everything. They always ask me, what does it say? I'm like, yes, if not now, then. And I let them finish it sometimes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, um, I'm, I believe in the power of repetition um, being ingrained, mm-hmm. um, which then allows you to think about it every day, which then evolves into the actions that you take. So with one of the quotes that you mentioned about um, being in control of things that you can rather than the things that you can't. And adding that to say coaching, right? Adding Be- that to? Coaching. Mm-hmm. Because coaching is such a interesting, like, what's the word? Interesting, like, I want to say like art, as it were, because it's like the art of, art of coaching, because mm-hmm. you can tell someone how they can run faster, how they can um, hit the, their, personal re- their personal best, but ultimately it's up to them to do it. But then you have your belief about the things that you can, you can't change. So how do you still have passion for coaching people, even though you know at the end of the day, it's up to them? Yeah. So I think for me, and I can't remember who said this, but somebody said, um, you always spot the superhero in somebody. Like, I genuinely feel everyone's amazing. I'm just like, everyone's got genius inside of them. I'm just trying to discover what that is. Mm. And even when I speak to people, and people are like, oh, like, you're really good at conversations. One of the reasons why is because I've got one goal. I'm trying to find the best stories from you. So I'm asking you questions. I'm exploring some of the things that you love, some of the things, challenges that you've overcome. Because when you give me that, sp- and I feed off it as well, it's weird. So it's like, when I find that spark, that story which gets you going, which, which underpins, and it could be something from a negative to a positive or to something positive, whatever it is. When we find that, oh, it's so amazing. Because it could be something which I don't even care about, like fishing. Yeah. But the way you articulate it, you bring me in. I'm just like, yo, this is, I need to go fishing with you. Like, I, I'm not even a fisher, but also life is for me is about experiences and adventures. So the more I can bring out of people and they, they shine on me, that makes me want to try and do different things. When I was mm. talking about my friend who we went to South America, yeah. and he done, that inspired me. Um, so with that being one of my sources of energy, um, and then I'm always trying to draw that out of people, I always believe you can do this. You'll mm. find a way. Is all I'm holding is that belief. Yeah, that that's what's in my power. I can hold that belief. I can be there to listen, and I can try to be as skilled as possible in the questions I ask, the series of different interventions I can take you through, and also at times, with your permission, I might give you my thoughts on what I'm seeing and how I think direction and etc. If it's appropriate within that coaching relationship or that that coaching construct to do that, mm-hmm. um, but. I never hold it, um, I, I don't hold the power, um, and I'm not trying to hold the power, all I hold the power is in what I can do, because sometimes yeah. I'm, I hire coaches as well to coach me, um, which ask me great questions and get me to think differently, so I see the power in just 
giving somebody the space to express, to become. Mm. And then I'm just holding to see what's going to emerge. What's going to emerge. I'm just curious, like, what's coming next? Because although you might want to hit that goal, man, by the end of six sessions, your whole world could change. Like, because mm. your perception of the world um, dictates how you see the world. We live through our brain. We live through our mind. We live through what we see and how we see things. Coaching, or other, like therapy and other things can help to, well, in terms of therapy, in terms of the past, in terms of what happened, coaching in terms of the future, where you're trying to go to. When you change somebody's perspective, it changes their world. So mm-hmm. I'm always just interested to say, what's emerging here? Yeah. What's really coming out for you? Because although you said you wanted X, it might be that, so maybe we need to think about how you get to X, or through it, you could discover actually, um, and one of my friends put it like this, because she was helping me think through my current um, status of, trying to see how I navigate my organization in terms of promotion, in terms of um, um, progression. And she said um, two things. One, um, imagine for years you've been in this rat race and you finally won the race. Then you realize you're a rat. You're still a rat. So that hit me, I was like, ooh, that's a good one. Then the second one she said was, um, and she took it from a podcast. She was like, um, imagine like climbing up the, the, the ladder. And you probably heard this one before, where you climb up the ladder. Um, for years, you broke through the, the, the glass ceiling. What glass ceiling? What? No, no one can hold me back. I focus, I've got this. You get to the top, yeah. Then you look and thinking, I just climbed up the wrong wall. This is not, <laughs> it's not where I want to be. Yeah. Um, um, so I think with, with coaching as well, I'm always just, I'm curious on helping people to really question and think through things in a way which is beneficial to them, mm-hmm. not necessarily being attached to the the outcome which we said, but it's attached to the betterment of them in whatever guise that looks like. Got it. So with you and your career now, so you've done Goalgetters, you um, worked for a charity organisation, right? Um, you came back to PwC. How was it coming back to PwC, especially when, you were cl- you're now on a different type of ladder. Yeah, and no, it's been interesting. So um, my previous three, because my fourth time back at PwC. Fourth time? Yeah, yeah, yeah Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, my previous three times, I didn't really feel my ladder was against the right wall and I mm. couldn't see how I was going to progress. And also it felt really hard to climb. I was like, every day is tiring. And I'm around people who are just like super smart, super driven, and they're just extra. Always doing the extra <laughs> bits. I'm like, oh God, so extra. I always wanted to do this and do that over and above. I was like, man, can you just chill? Like, I'm from South London. Like, I went to schools where um, we weren't really trying to do extra. We're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, 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 so it wasn't, and unless I'm inspired, I only do things which excite me. So yeah. unless I'm excited, I, I'm genuinely not trying to do over and above. Um, so in that environment, um, to thrive, you kind of need to, love or really want to compete in that environment i didn't really want to compete so it felt like the wrong wall what were the walls then so it was audit the first time business restructuring which was yeah, was, uh, i enjoyed that to a certain degree but again not probably not the right wall at that point in terms of my skill set and what mm. i could bring to the table devon africa business group and again that was interesting from a purpose standpoint helping pwc africa through the uk firm to grow the advisory practice but again, in terms of like my skill set, what I could bring, and also what we actually did as a team, it probably didn't align as much mm-hmm. um, to that. Um, although it aligned with my overall passion for Africa, but I so broad and it didn't really bring me closer to how do I drive collaboration, 
coaching leaders and uh, storytelling and doing some of the things or bringing some of the skill sets which I can bring to the table. Um, whereas with this wall, actually, the, the funny thing about it was even the way I got the job was just weird, right? Um, well, not weird, the way I found out about the job. So I was coaching one of the, one of our, one of the partners at PwC. I wasn't working at the time. I bumped into another partner, me and him was bantering. He's like, well, how come I see you here like once every month or something? I'm like, yeah, but I'm still getting paid by you guys. <laughs> and I was joking with him, but also I was trying to think, hmm, maybe it's a new client. So I'm trying to like banter with him, get some, get some, um, see if he wants to like sign up to my coaching program so I can earn more revenue. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, forget about that. He's like, I'm just got this new role and I'm hiring. So check out the website and see if you like any of the roles and to chat to me. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. I'm not looking for a job, but. Take cool. Like, mm. let me let me let me check this out um, and see see what's going on. Um, and at the time, my my, my current job, but the organisation was going through um, a bit of restructuring. I wasn't really too short on their longevity, so I thought, okay, interesting timing. Um, so I did that. And I emailed a few people, say, yo, blah blah blah. Said I should check out the website and the jobs. And then one person came back to me saying, what? You, you want to come back to P-Dubs? I was like, I don't hate the place. It's just, <laughs> it's what it is. Like, yeah. let life be, c'est la vie. Um, so then she's like, oh, actually, I think there's a perfect role for you um, in, in this team, like the, the team I'm in now. So I looked at her, I'm like, oh, this weird. This sounds like me. That's really weird. Mm. How is there a role that sounds like me in P-Dubs? It doesn't even make sense. You can't make it up. So then I applied for it, went through the interviews, and I got the job. Um, so ever since then, I've been doing really well in this role, growing a bit, building the right skill sets. You know, you've asked me about collaboration designer. Um, I'm also one of the lead facilitators. It allows me to bring my storytelling capabilities to the fore. It allows me to bring my coaching ability to the fore. And because I've also got a chartered accountancy background, people can also respect the fact that technically I can um, get to grips with certain concepts and go in the ditches if I need to, but that's not what I'm trying to bring to the table. You guys are the experts in that. Yeah. I'm the experts in how we bring the different people together to get the thing done. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, it's an interesting mix of um, something which I'm good at. There's tons of things to learn, which I'm I'm learning and, and continue to upskill at. And um, I'm solving the problems. I'm solving complex problems <laughs> in a world which needs complex problem solving. Yeah, no, I love it. It's like you finally met, met the promised land, right? Yeah, it's interesting, and it's interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it the promised land because nothing's perfect, and the grass mm. is always greener. Um, but I do think it's it's much better aligned to my passion, to what makes me great, yeah. um, than anything which I've done previously. Um, and at the same time, being somebody who wants to fulfil my my potential, and I don't feel I'm the, some people can do one thing for like forty years, and that's their thing. I'm probably more of a person who will do something for 10 years, yeah. be really good at it, kill it, and then think, cool, I want to see what else I can do in life because I want to push myself through different mediums to see what I can achieve. Yeah. Um, you see certain people, and you know, I'll take it to like, I don't know, like, you know, like a Kevin Hart, for example, where comedy mm-hmm. to movies to books. To a certain degree, you can see how some of the skills interlink, mm-hmm. um, but obviously there are kind of different things, and other people have done those things or also. But also, I, I want to see how multifaceted I am. Mm-hmm. I want to see what else. What else can I be? Um, right now, um, I'm thinking about how do I have the trajectory to be a partner um, in PwC if, if that's what's gonna if, if that's what I'm gonna be heading towards. So right now, I'm in experiment experimentation phase. I'm just like, okay, cool to be a partner. 
That means I can't only be great at my work. I can't just deliver results. I need to win work. Yeah. Also, winning work means I need to build relationships with clients. And through those relationships, I need to turn those relationships into commercial work, which comes in maybe for my team or for other teams. Yeah. And how do I configure that? So I'm going for experimentation and saying, okay, what does that look like? Um, and I'm doubling down on playing around and having fun with it. And it's less about promotion in terms of, oh, I want to get promoted. It's more around, I really want to have fun mm -hmm. and I want to see if I can reach an element of my potential in this environment. Mm -hmm. So I'm playing and having fun with it right now. Um, because previously the mindset would have been, I need to get this promotion. Then how do I fit in this box? I can't fit in a box. Yeah. It drains me. It's long. Even my eyes right now are squinting. You can't even see it anymore because <laughs> it's just closing because I'm tired. I'm sleeping. But as soon as you tell me have fun, get excited about it and learn from it, I'm all in. And that's what I'm doing right now. That sounds so exciting. I'm so happy to hear this, man. <laughs> honestly, honestly, because I just love that that drive to just make sure you've hit your potential. Um, and that's something that I highly resonate with. Um, so I've got like a couple quick fire questions. <laughs> yeah. What's one book that changed your perspective? on life? One book that changed my perspective, um, Michael A. Singer, The Surrender Experiment. Ooh, I tried it, I couldn't get through it, you know? Oh, I love, I've listened to it three times. Okay, I'm gonna try it again. Um, one piece of advice that you always give? One piece of advice that I always give. Do I always give one piece of advice? Um, let me think about what's coming into my mind, what have I said? It's not advice which I always give, but it's 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 um it's something which is resonating with me more and more now. Um and it's something which you said comes out for you about me in this conversation, which is around us understanding self, mm. loving self, being compassionate for self. Um because I've just seen for myself and others how we can be our worst crit critics. Um how we could because of how we see something, it already shut ourselves down. Oh, I can't do that. Sometimes, and it's said to just put a simple word in front, yet will change that whole dynamic of how you've placed yourself. Mm -hmm. The world will always place you in boxes and have points of views that other people will. You don't need to. So it's like self-awareness, self-acceptance and self-love. Okay, I need to write you with this thing in my head. I'm like, I can't wait to write all these notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, one tip or trick that you, well, one, one tip or trick that you wish you knew earlier. One tip or trick. Mm -hmm. To help you organize your day. To help me organize my day. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've now got like a deep calendar kind of um, obsession. If it's not my calendar, it doesn't exist. No, I like that one, I like that so, one. So literally you sent me this, in the calendar, location, don't need to think about it anymore. Yeah. I kind of, also has its ups and downs, but it's interesting, when I'm on holiday, mm -hmm. that goes out the window. I'm like, go with the, I'm going on holiday with 10 people. I could be, I'm not really on holiday with them. I could be on holiday with myself or my roommate. Mm. I just go with the flow, different things will happen. So although um, being organized in that way helps me to kind of save time, know what I'm doing and focus, then I have the moments where I have no idea what's happening next. Mm. And I let the, it was so funny, I was in Thailand, one taxi driver, um, I think it was New Year's Day or something, was say, hey guys, um, where do you wanna go? Where do you wanna go? So I walk in, he kept asking, where do you wanna go? I just stopped, I looked at him. 
where the universe wants to take me. <laughs> That's where he wanted to punch me in my face. But I was being very serious. I was like, dude, I'm literally going with the flow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love that, love that. Um, and final question, where can people find you, contact you, where should they go to? Um, LinkedIn's probably the best place. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's Aliyu, Fofana, um, LinkedIn, probably the best place to catch me. Awesome. Aliyu, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity, man. Cheers.